Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. All right, this is take number three of this podcast. Again, sometimes when you run a business, you got to stop and move and answer the phone and answer people that come in. Um, It's just, it is what it is, and that's okay. That's okay. So, uh, today we are going to continue talking about our nine principles. Specifically, we're going to talk about specificity and individuality. Two principles that are hugely important, especially to what Chelsea and I do, but often confused, often um, thought of as the same. And I'm going to briefly talk about the differences and, and, and what they are and you know how to separate them. But I'm also going to use this as a good jump off to uh, kind of introduce one of my new programs that I'm extremely excited to tell you about. So I will tell you more about that at the end. Before I jump into this, though, speaking of programs, we have weightlifting programs. And, and again, speaking of specificity, our weightlifting programs are designed to specifically address a few issues. One of them is overhead strength, uh, pressing strength. One of them is uh, squatting strength, and one is back strength. So it's it's full weightlifting um, programs with the classic lifts, but adding in some extras for either leg strength, pressing strength, or back strength. Some common weak areas uh, in weightlifters. And so if you have those issues, maybe one of these programs is right for you. Check them out online. Uh, DM me for some questions if you have questions about them, uh, and I'll be happy to help. Uh, also, feel free to DM me um, if you're interested in any t-shirts or hats. We have a few hats left in stock. I think only like three or four, to be honest. Um, we have about seven or eight t-shirts left and about four or five tank tops. So we are down to the last little bit. Super excited. We've moved this inventory. Um, thank you guys so much for who have ordered, uh, who have bought them over the last a uh, few months that we've had this inventory in stock, and we are almost ready to reorder some new swag. So that'll be fun. Um, so jumping right in, specificity and individuality, two two one two principles that have to be met if you're going to have long-term success. Again, not, I'm not talking about a short, like two-month program or three-month program. I'm talking about long-term success. Got to have these two. So what are they? Well, specificity specificity is the easy one. You're going to train your person or your team for their specific outcome. So if you've got a sport and you're training a football player, you're going to train them using work rest ratios and modalities and, you know, exercise selection that will benefit football. So you're not going to have them running mile repeats, but you might have them doing sprints, you know, if you're trying to add some running in there. Or if you have a weightlifter, you're going to have them doing cleans and snatches and their variants. Obviously, You might have them do a lot of squatting, but you're probably not going to have them doing long distance running. So, you know, it's you're going to train specific to their sport. Now, if you have an athlete or a non-athlete, just a a personal training client that just wants to lose weight or gain muscle, those are specific outcomes. So your program is going to specifically address those issues or those outcomes. So, again, if they come to you and say, I want to just get jacked, just get huge. okay, we're probably going to do a little bit more lifting than we are long, slow cardio. Now, obviously throughout phases throughout there, you can add some of these other things in to address other goals. But again, with the generalized client, you're going to just train them using work to rest ratios, using exercise selection. Uh, and then obviously your 
your um, load selection will, will be based on what their goals are. When it comes to individuality though, this is, this is where it gets a little tricky. Individuality with a one-on-one -on -one client, very easy because you assess them. You know exactly how well they move. And so if, you, if they tell you they want to get huge and jacked and strong, and let's say squats are going to be a staple of your program, because they should be, you get them into a movement assessment and realize they have terrible range of motion, terrible mobility and flexibility. So that's a... You can still have them do some variations of squats. You can still have them do maybe box squats with a high box or goblet squats. Uh, you can have them do variations so they're working those leg muscles to start building those muscles while you're adding in a lot of mobility, flexibility work using light weight or just the bar until that movement is proper before you start putting a lot of weight on the bar. And again, you can base that based on their individual ability. That's very simple. But what do you do when, how do you, how do you have individuality when you have a team sport, say like football? Well, obviously it gets a little bit more individualized when you start talking about position. So again, I'll train my wide receivers slightly different than my um, linemen. And an off-season general strength phase, you know, everyone could, you know, if, it, if Monday's our squat day, maybe everyone's squatting regardless of what position you are. But some of the accessory moves might be a little different. Or here's a great example. When it was our upper body general strength day uh, in the off season, yeah, we might all bench press or incline bench press. But as it got more to the um, in season phase or pre, pardon me, preseason phase, our, like our summer, when we hit our summer with our football players, I moved our linemen away from bench pressing. Um, and I had them use our jammer. And that was a little bit more specific to the movement that they were going to be using in their sport, in their position in their sport. So not something I had my receivers do. Um, we didn't in this off or pardon me, in the preseason, uh, we did some, some dumbbell work, but you know, we were working more on explosiveness and things like that. So more cleans, uh, more box jumps, more sprints, things like that. But again, so even within the same sport, I changed up um, what we were doing, the exercise selection, and things like that based on what it is I need though that position to do. Now, not every sport you, you can do that or need to do that. Baseball, there's really not, not a whole lot of need to do that much except maybe pitchers versus you know uh, fielders and, and things like that. But and that's only slight, you know, tweaks. But that's not that's still not even individual. That's still maybe specificity just by the position, right? So now, if I look at say say all my wide receivers, I got all my wide receivers, um, and let's just say wide receivers in, in defensive backs. I might train them the same. They have similar body types. They they do similar things on the field. Slightly different, we know, but but overall, for this argument. Um, so let's say between my receivers and my um, DBs, I've got 20 guys on the team, uh, maybe 15. Uh, well, let's say 20. And so out of those 20 guys, I've got to have, or I'm going to have people of all abilities. Obviously strength, so strength differences. So, you know, when we're working, we might be using RPEs or percentages, right, to get the right load 
for them, whether it's a strength phase or a power phase or an endurance phase, whatever the case may be. But again, within that group, just that, just the wide receivers, it's a squat day. But I've done squat assessments and I know that, you know, maybe three of them can't get to parallel because their hamstrings are tight or four or five of them, you know, come forward like almost like a good morning because their hip flexors are so tight. And some of them, when they squat, their heels come up off the ground because their calves and, and ankles are tight and, or lack mobility. So again, I can have them all do all general warmups, you know, that, that kind of encompass everything and then just do the best they can. Or I can say, you know, you guys need to work with just the bar or just, you know, a very light weight and work on these. Forget the percentages, even though some of the other guys may be putting up, it's maybe it's a strength phase and we're doing, you know, four sets of five at 80%. Okay. But some of these guys that don't have the right mobility or the proper mobility to get that full range of motion, whether it's ass to grass or just below parallel, they can't do it. So we have to get them to be able to do that. So in that case, just like my my one-on-one -on -one individual, they, they might be prescribed different exercises that they can do, box squats or um, heel elevated um, goblet squats or just heel elevated back squats to, to help you know with range of motion and depth to strengthen those muscles so that I can still get a strength benefit because that's really what I'm after working around some of their mobility issues while working on their mobility or i could have them just work on mobility with just an empty bar or a light weight uh until they can do it and then and then they can jump into wherever we are with the rest of the group because movement quality would supersede you know how much you can lift right uh if in our off season if if you get stronger that's great but if you improve your, your ability to move and your mobility and your movement quality, I'll take that over, you know, a 20 pound PR on your squat any day. So what that means is even within my receiver DB core, I can have different individuals working on different things. Now, what the problem is, and this leads me to my new program, when you start doing that, you're going to run into, especially when you're in a class setting. So maybe you're a CrossFit coach and you've got 30 athletes in your, in your CrossFit class with all abilities. So what do you do? What, what can you do to uh, scale it for everybody? You can't just say, oh, well, you know, if you can't do the RX weight, just go lighter. What about if they had poor movement? Well, you know, you might have certain move, you might have certain, um, uh, alternative movements, right? But then again, with 30 people, it gets to be really hard to judge and really hard to monitor all of that. So what do you do? How can we use individuality while we're training groups beyond just uh, some basic stuff like like I mentioned, which, which is better than nothing, trust me. Well, I've developed a new program it's called program compacting. So I'm gonna, you're gonna see a blog post here about program compacting uh, on the website. Uh, hopefully, it will post tomorrow. Um, I'm having it proofread today. <laughs> I'm notoriously terrible at spelling, so um, I just kind of write what comes off the top of my head. So uh, I always have to have someone proofread. It's just better. <laughs> it's better for you guys. Better for me. Um, anyhow. It's being proofread, and so hopefully I get it back and I can uh, uh, throw it up on the website. Now, 
the program compacting, it's a concept that I'm basing off of a teaching uh, curriculum design or curriculum model called curriculum compacting. And curriculum compacting is very complex. Um, so the, we'll say the short abridged version, what you need to know is in a classroom, you might have 30 students. Some are, you know, regardless of what type of learners, visual versus auditory versus, you know, hands-on or a combination of, you have that, but you also have students that are advanced. You have some students that, you know, maybe kind of get good grades, B's and C's. They understand it. They just, you know, maybe aren't as, they don't grasp it quite as well as some of the more advanced students. And then you have some students that are really struggling. And then you might even have some students that are, uh, have a learning disability like dyslexia and some other things that, you know, have special needs or IEPs, uh, individualized education programs uh, for them. And so when you have 30 kids in your classroom and, you're all, and your goal is to teach them about a particular topic, that can be really hard to, to, uh, to do that when you have all these different levels. So curriculum compacting basically is, and, and this is, this is an extreme, uh, um, overview. <laughs> this is, this is the 30,000 foot view. It gets re way more specific th than this. Um, but my, my time in my PhD program, I had to take a minor and I took, uh, um, you know, curriculum design was my, was my minor. So I took a lot of classes, like 12 hours of curriculum design. And so this, this is something that I've studied a lot. I was the division chair for the school of education at Ottawa university for, for a while. This is, this is something that I've seen in action. Um, not just curriculum compacting, but curriculum development and design and picking the right model. And I won't get into all of that. That's a whole nother ball of wax, but curriculum compacting I say that to say that I, I know what I'm talking about here. It It is a way in which a, a, a professor or a teacher will test their students and break them up into groups. So advanced learners, you know, middle of the road people and maybe special needs. Or, and there could be more than that. I'm just using three for, for this example. So let's say you're learning about the Industrial Revolution. You're a history teacher. You might have a, a basic lesson where it just talks about what is the Industrial Revolution. Then... Your advanced learners, after they've read the chapter and done a couple review questions uh, that everyone does, your advanced learners have a packet, like a, a physical packet, or maybe it's on their tablet, you know, however it's delivered. But they have a an actual lesson plan that then has them ask them a little bit more deeper probing questions like, you know, um, we'll, 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 let's start with the middle group, the, the, the kind of average group. They're going to maybe do some extra work that is um, learning about who are the m important players in the industrial revolutions, the Vanderbilts, the, the, um, oh gosh, why can't I think of them now? <laughs> um, uh, you know, and, and all these, all these big names that, that we learn in history uh, who, who have, you know, built factories and um, all kinds of stuff oil and trains and all the stuff and built up our nation, right? So you might learn the, the, the important players. Then then you're going to give your advanced people, okay, so beyond the important players, what did those important players really do? And were their methods more moral or ethical? So so they're getting a little bit deeper. Like some say maybe this was great, but they did it by 
you know, railroading, no pun intended, other uh, other businesses. So it was very cutthroat back then. And, you know, was that ethical? Maybe, maybe not. It, it produced a good result. Maybe, maybe not. So they're, those advanced people are getting deeper into uh, the effects of the Industrial Revolution versus your remedial group. So, you know, you have your middle group just learning about the common, the big players. Advanced people getting deeper in that. The, the more remedial group or people who uh, have learning disabilities are going to l- just read more about it and reinforce what they've already known. And again, this is where a teacher will do this way better than I do. I can't think of a good lesson plan for that off the top of my head, but you get the idea. So when it comes back to train personal training, or in this case, group training, if you're a coach of a CrossFit class or a sports team, this compacting model would, would allow us to do assessments, strength assessments, mobility assessments, um, power, um, endurance, all of these kind of assessments at each phase, not just at the beginning of the year, but then you're going to get assigned a group and the advanced group will do, you know, let's say our goal is strength. So we want to increase our strength. Well, the advanced group could maybe hit the RPE or maybe I use percentages with them. Okay. And then my kind of middle ground group, I'm going to use RPE. It's a little bit more subjective um, than, than a, a objectively, you know, uh, hit percentage. Um, but we're still getting stronger. If I, if I can keep them at an RPE and, and, and increase that, um, you know, program off of that, then that's great. And then I might have some people in a, you know, more, um, basic group that are doing things and it may be all individual, individual different movements, but they're going to have movements that are, um, skilled for their level, whether that's a lack of mobility, lack of strength, lack of both, um, or knowledge or anything like that. So you could have, you know, it's my going back to my wide receivers and my DBs. I could have a group that are doing some heel elevated back squats or heel elevated goblet squats intermixed with some barbell work, just, you know, getting down and pausing and staying at that, that bottom end of a squat and doing things like that. I might have some people doing RPE squats, um, you know, kind of they're, 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 they're used, they're, they're strong. They can do the movement, um, but maybe they don't have the the lifting background or the training age. You know, maybe you're getting a freshman uh, who who can move well and decently strong, but you don't know their percentages yet, right? You've never tested them before at the beginning of the year, and we, you know we don't max test at the beginning of the year. I'm just using examples here, and then you have your your main group doing your. Uh, your percent work if that's how you want to program it. So these are these are ways that you can then scale it beyond just changing the exercise or beyond or, or changing the weight, lessening the weight, um, and and still make it individual. Now that is a lot harder on the coach, just like curriculum compacting is harder on the teacher. It takes a lot more work. Coaches should get paid a lot more. Teachers should definitely get paid more. So you have these concepts that that that's what you're trying to do, and and and, and with that, the idea is, you know, we're going to have um, a better program. We're going to be able to serve. Everyone's going to progress, which again is one of our principles in the right direction. So read the blog. I'm going to write a, a, a story on it, and like I said, it should be up in the next day. Uh, Wednesday by the latest uh, on our website. I'll put a post up on our social media when it's up and ready. Um, It's going to explain program compacting a little bit more, a little bit more in depth. All right. Have a good one. See you soon.